0: Dan's drive and Double Feature presents The Last Slumber Party Minute, a minute-by-minute podcast covering Stephen Tyler's The Last Slumber Party, copyright 1988, your host, Daniel R. Budnick. You can call him Dan. Now, listen to this. Episode 15 minute 15 hey everyone it's dan oh boy oh boy i don't know if you remember but nurse lady has just gotten slashed in the face by our killer let's let's see where this goes (laughs) That damn bus getting here anyway. Hey, Linda, do you think maybe we could bond? Bar- well, no wonder you didn't hear me come in. All this racket, I don't think you know it at the house. Oh, yeah. First Strike is Back. That was Grab a Piece. Grab a Piece of the Rock. That's the middle section. I'm still rocking. I'm still rock- Uh, So, yeah, so we've heard the first song inside one and the third song on side one now. With the third song, Just a Nightmare, sort of being the uh, theme of the movie. But let's do, before we get to the opening of the party, which goes sour pretty quick. I mean, they they literally, they're, they're, they're only rocking around for about 15 seconds before Dr. Sickler suddenly shows up. And what did they expect if there was going to be a party? I mean, was it they think... I don't know. I mean, do they not know her friends? I mean... I, I guess not. I guess not. I'm. I. I guess if I were an adult with a team, there'd probably be a point where I just zoned out and was like, "Get him out of the house. Get him out of the house. Get him out of the house." But, but it's something like. What did you think they were gonna do? Like an all night little house in the prairie marathon or something like that? I don't know. But let's let's cover the first uh, half of the minute first. The nurse seems to be dead. I. You would think with the scalpel. Like he slash you see her he see him slash her face twice and then she kind of falls and then he kind of leans out of frame and you you hear a couple of swipes with it you think that wouldn't instantly kill someone but then that's as I mentioned previously one of the joys of the film is everything's a little vacaca in this and I I like it. it it very much has a feel of you know this ain't um, torn curtain is that the the uh, the um, Damn, I hope that's right. I was going to say Under Capricorn, but that ain't right. Is ain't Torn Curtain, the um, Hitchcock film with Julie Andrews in the really long strangulation. This is, he comes in, you're dead. You're gone. And that's the way it is. And it's its nice to see we get two killings in that minute, and neither of them are. There is blood, uh, but neither of them are particularly much. I mean, it is... F- funny too that if this was shot in 84 I still say 82 but but the person who was in it would know better than I would but if this was shot in 84 I mean this was you know slashers were a very specific thing by 84 if this was 79 or 80 yeah I could see just using the the scalpel but but by time you got to, to 84 you know most killers were varying it up they were having a good time with it you know I just, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. So, uh, yeah. So he kills her, and then there's this uh, uh, a scene which has got to be comedy, where it immediately cuts to the guy snoozing on the bench, and then all of a sudden there is that bit where you heard the the killer is dragging her from one end of the side of the screen to another, and then the um then the guy wakes up, and it's just like, oh come on, that's comedy, isn't that comedy? That must be comedy, right? That's comedy, and. Yeah, then, and this guy... It's great because this guy has huge hair. Look at all that hair! And he's got a really long neck. So the killer suddenly appears from behind him... Clamps hand on his forehead... And slits his throat. Sort of. You couldn't quite see it in the previous killing... But this is one of those scalpels that has like a... Like in in the handle, it has fake blood. And so you like... you You press a button on the side and it releases the blood... And you can see here that he doesn't quite uh, the killer doesn't quite press the button in time. and when he presses it, it kind of sprays in a different direction than where he's cutting. But the guy still dies. So yeah, that that may be crazy that it seems to do that. You know like the blood does that, but he died. I mean, I'd like to think that like, like half of his part, that portion of his neck where the blood didn't flow, he was like invincible right there. It's like maybe, maybe all of us have one spot where we're the opposite of an Achilles heel. We all have one spot where we're invincible. You know, I don't know, like my, my left wrist. I'm invincible. If you try to kill me by attacking my left wrist, you will not, never, never succeed. This guy, he had his, his invulnerable part and he never knew it until it was too late. Was, because he would have put like something over the other side of his neck then. But it was the left side of his neck. Yep. And he dies. Luckily, he dies instantly. So that's good. Yeah. Okay. We're gonna see this a lot in this movie, folks. So, so just just bear with it and lo- love it like I do. Learn to love it like I do, or or don't, or don't, or or curse me to the heavens and back if if need, needs must. But um, I just love it. I, I if they were shooting on video, surely they could have gone do that one more time. But um, oh, for all I know, that was like take eight. You know, that's the best we got. Okay, let's get out of here. But let's get to the uh, the party scene. So the party scene, we get an abnormally long establishing shot of the house, which is half in darkness anyways. And we can hear Grab a Piece playing in a piece. Grab a piece, a piece of the rock. Grab a piece. I can't, piece of piece. I can't get my voice to go that. Piece of the rock. Um, I applaud all those 80s guys who could do that uh, at the drop of a hat. Now... I don't believe I mentioned this in the previous minutes, but to go back to the uh, Jen Jensen-Joseph Ziemba um, interview with the Alamo Draft House that is um, transcribed onto Bleeding Skull site. <sighs> yeah. Joe says that the first people to get hold of it... Yeah, I did I did mention this. I'm going to mention it again just because this is where it begins to come in. The first people to get hold of it were Japanese... Just Distributors, and they added several shots, including the shot of the bendy shot of the clock later on. And apparently, they added the first strike music, which makes sense because they must have been dancing to some music. And and to me, if this was made in eighty four or eighty two, they wouldn't have been dancing to any sort of music that sounded like that. But by time you got to the copyright date of eighty eight, well, everyone was kind of, or at least suburban white girls were listening to, I knew quite a few of them, were listening to men, I mean, 87 was Hysteria, for heaven's sake, you know, S- Cinderella's albums were out right around there, Poison, you know, that was when Motley Crue went from being kind of um, a slightly scary-ish band to being, you know, just pure pop metal, So, so this was, 88 was heavy, uh, hair metal was kicking in big time. So to have a bunch of gals dancing to a song like this, which isn't quite hair metal, which is actually more rocking. Uh, but at the end of the day, the distinction is so, uh, I think it's so slim for most people that it's going to be like, it's hair metal and they did have big hair. So, so there you go. So I'm just trying to, <coughs> pardon me. I really like First Strike. I think it's a really good album. I don't, of the nine songs, I, I can't, I can't pick a stinker. You know, they're all, it it does that sort of thing that a lot of albums at that time did, where you know maybe the last couple songs aren't as strong as the sort of the first side and the beginning of the second side. But um, uh, heavy metal boys, and metal machine, a metal machine. I think we might hear that later. Heavy metal boys. I can't argue with uh, with those songs. Um, I I might have taken one of those and put those earlier in the album and put one of the strong, super strong songs at the end. But that did seem to happen a lot where you do that where... Like, last songs on albums always seem to be problematic. Even Hysteria, which I loved, circa 87, 88. I always thought the first side was wonderful all the way through. The second side was brilliant till about halfway through. And then somewhere in, like, the last two or three songs, it feels just like they're going, okay, we gotta get to an hour. We gotta get to an hour. Just play this song again, but play it in a different, I don't know, key or, or whatever. And I don't I Vary the tempo, so, you know. But... They're still rocking so yeah we cut inside and um Tracy and Chris I think it's Tracy right um are dancing uh, Linda is sitting watching TV and they've got the music and they're kind of like doing a uh, jaunty sort of dance which t- to be fair it, 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 the music would have obviously would have had to have been added later the the album didn't come out until 86. I'd love to know how these Japanese distributors got the rights to the First Strike album. I'd love to contact them. I, I always figured it was something along the lines of um, it was sort of shot earlier in the '80s, um, and they had some different music playing. But by time, oh, maybe this was it. Maybe this was what the distributors were thinking. But I it was sort of Steven Tyler himself, you know, by time he actually sold it, it was like, ooh, that music's not going to fly um the rest of the movie could be set at any time sort of 82 to 88 88 88 ish the hair kind of gives it away but i think we could sell it like that but that music is wrong you need to have different music that they're listening to and so steven tyler went got the rights to something what would he have gotten the rights to yeah i so um (laughs) I, i don't know what the budget on this was but um I imagine it wasn't high enough to get the rights to something although maybe it was you know to say hey i've got a deal can you can i use some of your songs in my movie it's going to video you know so possibly but but that that was sort sort of always my my thought on it was um yeah that that he did it himself but um now we know otherwise so uh what else yeah the minute ends with sort of uh tracy leaning towards the turntable and chris going to talk to they're they're in sort of different rooms but not quite um i could discuss the layout of everything later on when we see more of the layout um but but yeah this is the house that the the friends of friends of the directors and they shot there for two weeks until they pretty much got thrown out uh and yeah she goes over to linda but then all of a sudden dr sickler is there And he's looking very stern. It's funny because Linda's sitting not too far from the front door. you think she would have heard the front door open and close, but she didn't. And then you get some great line delivery from Dr. Sickler. And then the minute ends. You wouldn't know if the house was burning down. I I love his delivery. Dr. Sickler forever. Dr. Sickler, M.D. I would have watched that TV show for a season, maybe even two ah yeah so that that is minute 15 folks the slumber party has begun and it is the last one ah listen to this